Welcome to the Scotland's Choice podcast. The journey to our referendum is underway, so join us as we discuss how together we can build a fairer, a more equal and a more prosperous Scotland. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are informed, that they're encouraged to get involved and will hopefully inspire others to think about the possibilities for Scotland because... As our country renews, we need to choose our own future before somebody else chooses it for us. I'm your host, Drew Hendry MP, and in this episode, I'm in conversation with three independence activists. Marcus Carslaw is a medical student born in Glasgow. He grew up in Northern Ireland and returned to Glasgow for university. He's been an active independence campaigner since 2017, and if you're on Twitter, you're likely to have had quite a few of his tweets pop up on your timeline. Thank you for joining us, Marcus. Thanks for having me, Drew. Danielle Nicholson has been campaigning for independence since the age of 16. I first met her out on the campaign trail for my own election as an MP back in 2015. Since then, she's gone on to earn a BA in politics, is a senior staffer to an MSP, and has been an integral part of all campaigns in the Inverness area, including taking on the role of campaign organiser for one of my own campaigns. She's also served as election agent and campaign manager to my friend and colleague Fergus Ewing. It's fair to say that there aren't many doors in Inverness that Danny hasn't chapped. Danny, good to have you with us. Hi Drew, thanks for having me on. Alan Dalyell has been an SNP activist for more than 20 years, whilst being a member of branches in London and the west of Scotland. He supports the positive ideal of the good people of Scotland, assuming the normality of self-governance. He's an enthusiastic and well-respected canvasser for the party and for the wider independence movement. Alan, it's uh, good of you to join us in the Scotland's Choice podcast. Thanks, Drew. Uh, great to join you. Let's start with uh, with going back to the 2014 referendum. During the 2014 referendum, we all saw how important activism and campaigning was, especially for Yes. How did you come to be part of the Yes movement? I'll, I'll ask you first, Danny. Um, I I started um, in the Yes campaign. Um, I, it was my first vote. I was 17 years old and I was in uh, school at the time. So for me, when I knew it was a really important vote um, was when I could see for the first time ever my peers being really, really interested in politics and what was going on. And the independence referendum was for my generation, some, like first time some of us could ever vote. So for the first time ever, politics and our future wasn't just being decided by, you know, old, old men in suits down in Westminster, but actually they were asking people like me and my peers what we wanted out of our future. So um, I, I kind of joined the independence movement as a, a really young uh, activist and was just completely taken by politics after that. And, and Alan, what was your experience? Uh, yeah, I was a, a bit of a, an old hand at the campaigning uh, by the time the independence referendum came around. Um, not, not quite, so, yeah. a, no man in a grey suit at Westminster though. Like. Not, not a grey <laughs> suit, no. But um, yeah, I'd been campaigning for about 15 years uh, by that point for the SNP. Uh, I'd been living in London for most of the 2000s and I, I came up uh, back home to make sure that I could properly campaign in the summer of 2013. So give myself at least a, a year, uh, like boots on the grounds and going round the doors. So yeah, I was uh, I, I was coming to it after many years of uh, experience doing it. But what I loved about it was that we'd managed to get so many people involved on a local mm. basis from so many different backgrounds and particularly people that had like no previous experience at uh, political campaigning and weren't party politically minded either. 
they were uh, just happy to kind of uh, go out there and campaign for the, the future of Scotland and uh, try and sell the vision of what an independent Scotland would look like. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. and those thousands of activists and people like you helped to, to get us from 25% where we started up to 45% of the vote. Marcus, how is it you got, you got involved? Well, I was living in Northern Ireland at the time uh, and I was sort of watching it in the news and then I came over to visit my granny during the summer and this was the summer just before the referendum and she was involved in uh, Yes Pollock in the south side. Uh, so she had me out delivering leaflets <laughs> and I, that, that's how it started and it was great because uh, the debate was so refreshing, it was engaging, it was really well-tempered, the debates were in good faith. And I think having grown up in Northern Ireland and the debate about the constitution there is very different. And sometimes it's it's not a good debate. It's quite aggressive. But c- comparing that to when I was over in Scotland in the summer with my nan, it was, it was amazing to see the, the, the sort of activists going out, the good debates happening, the door knocking, gentle disagreement. Yeah, sometimes it was a bit hot-headed. But I think overall the campaign that was fought um, was really level-headed, well-conducted. And, and that's how I kind of got into politics was um, was that summer just before the referendum. And obviously, you know, that campaigning takes many different shapes and forms, Marcus. What what was it that uh, most energised you about uh, your involvement in the campaign? I think it was actually the sense of, so there's a lot of young people involved in the campaign. So I was 16 at the time. Um, so my grand took me along to the wee campaign office they had. And there's lots of young people there. Everyone was fired up and ready to go. Um, everyone had the sort of same goal in independent Scotland, but everyone had a different sort of vision to what that would be like. And that was interesting. And you got to meet all these people with all these ideas, some of them good ideas, some of them maybe not so good. And it was it was good crack. And um, so that's kind of what got me started, yeah. So that bit about being energised, was that important to you, Alan, when uh, you were campaigning in 2014? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like Marcus says, that there's like so many different um, aspects of independence campaigning, like people are coming from it from different angles. We, uh, because it wasn't party political, although the SNP were a major driving force in it, I mean, we had like uh, Labour members out campaigning with us and believe it or not, even Tories as well. Um, and uh, the odd limb them. And, but the vast majority of people just didn't have a, a party political background. And it was just like, uh, everybody was just so keen to get the message across about the, the endless possibilities that Scotland could be if we managed to get the powers of a normal nation. And Danny, what what energy, what aspect of the campaign energised you the most then? I think just kind of tapping back into um, that kind of generational kind of change that I felt um, for the first time ever, you know, people my age were talking about politics and I'd never seen that before. Um, it, It was such a passionate debate. Whatever side you were on, people were really motivated and energised to talk about their country's future. And I think that was one of the best things about the campaign. And touching on that now going forward, I think after 2014, we've seen um, our, a nation that was more politically aware of what was going on. Um, and, you know, th- there can sometimes be a generational divide. So, you know, you'll find that young people sometimes are less motivated to go out and vote in the polls um, or, you know, get involved in politics. Whereas in 2014, um, it was literally all people my age would talk about at the time. And as I said, I was 17. It was my first time going to vote. And I had never seen anything like it. And it was it was amazing to be able to connect with people who were older than me um, and talk about um, like Scotland's future. My neighbour speaking to older family members who didn't always agree with what my vision of Scotland would be in the future. But 
the first time it was like this really energized political debate and I think since then politics has really really changed in Scotland because of the independence referendum I think people are much more politically engaged now and interested in having their say heard. On that subject of uh, people being interested in getting their, their say uh, heard as it were, how important is it now uh, for this coming referendum campaign for grassroots activism to be at the fore of uh, the campaigning that we're doing? I think it's really, really important. I think your grassroots activism is really the, the, the very foundation base that you need within a campaign and um, really at the end of the day your, your grassroots activism are, are the people who are going out and, and do the work that needs to be done to win a referendum. If I look at the, the campaigns that I've been involved in in the last few years um, it's your grassroots activists that really drive your campaign forward and they are really really essential to any campaign. I think through grassroots activism through talking to people on doors, having these conversations, the kind of softer side of campaigning, that's how we're going to change people's minds. And I think it's, it's really important that we do a bit more of that going forward into the next referendum, because if these conversations that you have with your neighbours, with your family, with your friends, um, discussing politics and actually sometimes hearing from their side of things as well, I, I often find that, you know, Twitter, Facebook and things can often be a bit of an echo chamber. Um, so I found over my years of kind of in activism and, and being involved in grassroots activism, I've furthered my learning um, in terms of politics and my kind of view on the world because sometimes I'll come across an argument that someone says and I go, actually, you're quite right. I, I don't have the information for that or I need to learn a bit more about that. And I think these these kind of conversations lead our policy and research and so it kind of connects into all the other different areas Hmm. that we need to um, have kind of nailed for the next referendum as well. Marcus, listeners can't see you obviously but you're nodding your head away all the way through uh, what Daddy was saying there. What are your thoughts on the importance of grassroots activism in the forthcoming referendum? I think grassroots is the way that we will win. It's the way that, you know, as you said at the beginning that we got from 25 up to 45%. Um, there's something about having a conversation with someone at their door or in the street stall that you just can't get with other aspects of campaigning. And even if you knock their door and they say, there's no way I'm voting for independence, you, you smile and you say, OK, I'll not waste your time, but you've chipped away at their armour. Next time you go back, they might recognise it and you can maybe have a wee bit of a conversation and you work on it slowly over time. Um, I think something that maybe grassroots activists realise more than people that do like predominantly social media stuff is that patience is required. I don't find many people go from no to yes overnight, maybe apart from Brexit. That changed a good few minds like that. But it takes a couple of conversations. Have What are their concerns? Asking someone about their concerns rather than trying to say what you think is the best way forward and then addressing those concerns. That's the best way to win people over and be polite and have a bit of crack about it. And I think that's the best way to do it. We'll, we'll come back to that, how uh, we engage in a moment. But uh, Alan, you've knocked uh, many, many doors. I, I, I wonder how many thousands that would be, actually. But it, this subject of getting out and getting the message across on the doorsteps with people face to face, what's your view on that? I think having face-to-face conversations on people's, people's own doorsteps is absolutely crucial. It's like the, the others have said, it's like, uh, I think you've got to have a special skill set to do it. You need to, uh, if you are a little bit nervous or a little bit shy, you need to kind of like 
um, give it a go anyway. What's the worst that could happen? And I, what I love about it is it's been able to, like Danny said, listen to what people are saying. So it's not a case of you're chapping on a door and giving someone a big lecture about why you're right and if they've got a different view, they might be wrong. But it's listening to their concerns. It's listening to like the nuances where they may want to support us, but they've got that little bit of doubt or they just need that extra bit of information. And if you don't have that information to hand or it is something that you have to go away and find out and then come back, like uh, Marcus was saying, having that like uh, patient conversation, mm. you might get the chance to go back to them another once, twice or three times over uh, the campaign process and really begin to build a bit of rapport and build a, a kind of credible, trustworthy relationship with the voters. It's not like you're chapping a door and you mm. don't like what you hear and you're not going to go back to them. Um, so yeah, it's absolutely crucial that we we listen to people and uh, understand their concerns and and try and win them over slowly but surely to uh, our our uh, vision for an independent Scotland. And, and we were we were chatting before we started recording, Alan, about how much we both enjoy uh, getting out in the doors and speaking to people. Like Marcus said, this it's pretty good crack, isn't it? I mean, it's. Uh, it, you know, the, the, this thing that people are a wee bit, you know, afraid of what's going to happen. It's often, more often than not, just a, a good a good laugh and a great way to connect with people, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, uh, I just absolutely love it. When you, you're chapping in a door, you don't know who you're going to get. And fair enough, uh, if some person comes towards you and they're not, like, best pleased that you've chapped uh, their door and interrupted their day or you want to talk about something that they're not interested in, that's fine. You just smile, wish them the, uh, a great afternoon, the, enjoy the rest of your day, and then on to the next one. But some of the great conversations, mm. like uh, Danny uh, mentioned earlier on, like uh, you'll be talking about stuff that you never thought you were going to be talking about, and you, you actually learn something yourself. And uh, yeah, it's like such a, a positive experience to be able to like chap on someone's door in their own community and just learn about what their priorities are and what their concerns are. and. Uh, take on board their, their point of view, whilst at the same time, you're hopefully going to be armoured with uh, as much information as you possibly can to try and win over uh, some of the, the doubts or some of the, the myths that they might have formed in their minds. You could, like, dispel some of them. Uh, but, yeah, it's absolutely great fun. Well, the, the, the campaign itself is going to be really important to see that women and minorities are involved uh, that, that's something I, I feel uh, that Yes was very good at back in uh, 2014. Why is it so, so important that, that different voices are heard in the campaign we'll have in the run-up to the referendum? And uh, how, how can we uh, help to spread the message more effectively, Marcus? So I think getting uh, minority groups involved in the debate is really, really important um, because simply it's their country as well. Um, it's everyone's country, regardless of how we want independence to happen, um, it's going to affect all of us. So everyone should have a say in it. I think looking back to 2014, and a really good example of the minority groups getting involved was Scotch, Scotch Asians for Independence. That was a massive group. I remember these come out knocking doors wells, and you'd done some amount of work in campaigning in Glasgow. You'd out for independence as well, representing the LGBTQI community and addressing some of their concerns about independence and one of the things that they'd done was when Scotland became independent, we'd write in LGBT rights into the constitution and that would be a word first. And so it's really important to chat to these groups, see what their ideas and concerns are. And I think going forward to the next referendum, some of the groups that we need to start thinking about is EU migrants. 
So in 2014, they swung heavily against independence, but now because of Brexit, I'd say they're probably swinging towards us slightly. So we need to go out and target these groups and have conversations, see what their concerns are, because I think we can win them. We can definitely win these groups, um, but we need to have conversations with them and see what their concerns are, because their concerns will no doubt be different from other people's. And, and Danny, that was um, not reflected in the Better Together campaign in 2014, wasn't that diversity of uh, groups that were campaigning? Yeah, I'm sure I'm not alone in remembering the um, advert that the political party broadcast that they put out with the, the, the confused woman, you know, who, who couldn't make up her mind because there was so much information out there and, you know, just blatant misogyny coming out of it, you know, as if women can't make their mind up on political views, you know. 1950s are calling but there we have it I think I think touching on what Marcus said there is it's, it's all our all our country and and it's it's important that we include all these voices because actually I mean from my point of view when I think about independence it's it's a way to um, better the lives of the people living here and for me that is making sure that equality is at the heart of our movement um, so if we really want to get serious about, um, you know, bettering the lives of people in Scotland and making sure there's equality for all, we need to include the, the kind of minority groups and, and listen to their concerns as well. So if we if we talk about EU citizens, um, we know that in 2014, many of them voted no because they were scared. They were scared that if, if Scotland became independent, they were going to be deported. I remember having a conversation with a classmate of mine mm who was from Poland, who was terrified that if we went independent, her parents would be put back to Poland and deported. And these were real concerns that people had. We obviously now where know is, that that's not, not the case. We've left the yeah. EU anyway, regardless <laughs> of what's happened. Um, but I think like going forward, addressing addressing these concerns and involving people is so important. Indeed. And uh, we, we've seen in 2014, and hopefully we'll see in the coming referendum, Alan, you know, lots of different groups. So Marcus was talking about, you know, people getting out and about the, the street stalls, the, the the groups of people that were getting together to, to go door knocking and uh, to uh, speak to people about independence, the, 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 the coming together in halls and things like that. That must be a, a fond memory for you during that campaign and something you'd want to replicate now. Yeah, absolutely right. Like uh, Scotland is a diverse country. And it is only right that people from whatever backgrounds, whether they were born here or have chosen to come here, uh, give Scotland the honour of choosing to come and live here, uh, they, they have a say in the future of the, the country as well. Because without them, Scotland would be a much, much poorer, poorer country. So, yeah, the number of groups that represent people of all types of backgrounds are absolutely crucial uh, to the upcoming independence referendum campaigning. And certainly within uh, my locality in Renfrewshire, uh, we will certainly have people going out talking to women who are, of course, the actual majority mm-hmm. of the population in Scotland uh, in Renfrewshire Council, where we have a, a we run the administration um, as the SNP. There's actually uh, 11 women councillors to eight male councillors. So I'm sure all uh, all the councillors will be going out and talking to the, the great diversity of the local population. Marcus, you were talking earlier about the the style of campaigning, about being engaging. You know, what you just wanted to talk amongst ourselves about uh, that aspect for a moment or two. You know, do do you feel that that a more softly softly approach is the best way to go, or should 
there'd be a kind of more direct and succinct information-based approach to uh, persuading people about the benefits of independence? Yeah, so I think there's maybe two aspects to this. So the first one is, if there's a unionist politician or someone saying something that's blatantly not true, I think call it out and rebut it with facts and do that quite upfront and be, you know, just say it as it is. But if there's someone on the doorstep that says, I heard this or I read this, and they don't agree with you, rather than just going your full frontal with facts, ask a little bit, where do you get that information from? Would you be willing to listen to something else or some other facts that we have? Stuff like that. So I think being softly, softly is the way that will win. And I think it is actually winning voters over. Mm. Um, and it's, I won't say it's, we were at a branch meeting once and everyone was talking about sovereignty. And I think that's a great idea. But on the doorstep, that doesn't mean much. And um, you have to relate to people and what they like. And I think that was one of the strengths of the Yes campaign in 2014. We were talking about childcare, jobs, the economy. Um, we weren't talking about flags and none of that stuff. Cause that doesn't win you votes at the end mm. of the day. And so, yeah, I think relate to voters about what they want to hear about. Because I think if you look at the polls, you ask people to rank their priorities. Independence actually doesn't come that high. But what they forget to think about is that independence actually affects everything. The economy, jobs, employment, the NHS. Like particularly right now with Brexit and the staff shortages we're going to have in the health service. So I think it's making independence link into aspects of people's lives. That's the way to get them engaged. And I think once you do that, the chances of you winning them over are actually quite, quite good. And Alan, you were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, if you get somebody who just doesn't like you on the doorstep, just wave them a, a cheery uh, goodbye and wish them a, a, a nice day. But uh, but it is really important, isn't it, when you're engaging people to, uh, to remember that you're going up to their door and you're speaking uh, to them. How do you feel it's best to kind of approach, if somebody's got a question or a different point of view, they've not chased you away, but they but they just want to, uh, you know, to, to talk about it, maybe put an opposing point of view. What do you feel is the best way to engage on that? Yeah, um, I mean, that's what happens when you chat with people's doors. You, you get people who disagree with you, some of them quite vehemently, but I think the best approach would be to look them in the eye and have a gentle smile show them mm -hmm. that you're not the enemy you might uh, completely disagree with whatever you're talking about but have a respectful dignified conversation with them uh, listen to whatever it is that they are like very concerned about uh, and just give them the respect of spending a bit of time with them you know when you're canvassing obviously you want to identify who your supporters are and who's not supporting you as quickly as you can because that could be very very important when it comes to getting your vote out um, on the, the day of the, the referendum but mm -hmm. at the same time i think um, it shouldn't be a luxury where you can spend a bit of time with someone and just like uh, have that human connection with them and just uh, yeah just like de-escalate the, the conversation down to a normal everyday conversation and at the end of that conversation if they're, they're still not agreeable with you that's fine uh, under covid maybe it's not the thing to do uh but i used to like uh, ask to shake the person's hand at the end of the conversation say well we might see you again soon um hope we can have another great chat danny what's your thoughts about that and do you do you feel that there's perhaps a different approach when it comes to online campaigning yeah, I, I mean, I would I would agree with all the sentiments there. I think you know when you're when you're going to somebody's door and you know they're they're taking time out of their day to have a conversation with you about politics and um, basically give them a listening ear, listen to what they have to say. And I think I touched on it before. I've, I've had thousands of different conversations over the years with people on the doors, and 
you know, there's there's some that I will remember quite memorably because they were so completely against what I believed in, but also they showed me and I've learned a lot more because I've seen where there's holes in my knowledge or like things that I really need to brush up on or things that I think actually like the independence movement maybe needs to do a bit more work on this. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, when we're touching on, um, you know, people reading things that might not exactly be true or, you know, might be exaggerated as such, I think about when, when you're trying to win any argument or a, any kind of political campaign, you're building trust with your voters. And trust takes a long time to build with people. But once you have somebody's trust, you're, you're, on, a, you're on a good way and it's hard to lose that trust. And I think as a movement, that's kind of what we're, 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 we've been working towards. Um, you know, with, I, obviously, I, I've campaigned for the SNP and that's what I feel that the, the party have built up over the, the last few years is a trust with its voters. When it comes to online content, obviously we have uh, it's, it's beneficial that it reaches um, a, a much larger group of people, um, you know, in a shorter space of time. You're not having to go around the streets for hours upon hours having loads of different conversations. But I, I do think there, you know, that there are some kind of loopholes with uh, social media as well. It can be great and it can also have its fall downs. Um, you're, you're working with algorithms, you're targeting demographics which means some can sometimes be left behind um, and as I say and I touched on it before I do wonder sometimes if things are a bit of an echo chamber on um, social media if I go on to Twitter just now I know like what will come up for me is things that I like so it will be in Scottish politics probably more so people who are like-minded like me and believe in independence so I think it is important to do these kind of door knocking sessions as well because we can't get stuck in an echo chamber. You need to hear what other people are thinking as well. Mm. And it's healthy to hear other people's arguments. And as I say, sometimes hearing that actually strengthens your own argument because you'll actually see the kind of uh, holes in your argument that you need to kind of tighten or get a bit more information on. Well, we have a lot more to hear from our guests, but we're going to have to cut it short there. You'll be glad to know, however, that the rest of the conversation will feature in a later episode of the Scotland's Choice podcast in a few weeks' time. My thanks to Alan, to Marcus and Danny for their time and for giving their insights into grassroots campaigning. My thanks to you too for listening. Don't forget you can find new and previous episodes of Scotland's Choice at scotlandschoice.scot. If you can share this podcast, it can help others with their decision on Scotland's future. I'm Drew Hendry and I hope you'll join me next time on Scotland's Choice. Choice.